0: I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, as we read together the verses 59 through 75. Let us hear the word of God. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold now, ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. So far the reading of the word of God. May he bless the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts Dear friends, one of the unique features of the Bible is that it makes no attempt to cover up the sins of those who fear the Lord. And so already in Genesis chapter 9, we have the record of Noah getting drunk and lying naked in his tent. In Genesis 16, we have the story of Abraham losing faith in the promise of God and trying to produce an heir through Hagar, his wife's maidservant. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we have the account of David's affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband, Uriah. But of all of these examples, perhaps the most spectacular is the denial of Peter. Peter's denial of Jesus is usually looked on as a great tragedy, and it certainly was. After all, how is it possible that Peter, one of our Lord's closest disciples, a man who had boldly confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, and who on the night that Jesus was betrayed, swore that he would never be offended because of him, even declaring that he would die with him if it need be. How is it possible that such a man could have denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times in succession? And yet viewed in Peter's repentance and our Lord's gracious forgiveness, the story of Peter's denial is also one of great triumph. In his commentary on Matthew's Gospel, John MacArthur writes this. He says, and I quote, The story of Peter's denial is a lesson about the security of God's saving grace. In fact, what is emphasized most in Scripture throughout the account is not Peter's failure, but the Lord's forgiveness. The reason the episode is recounted for us in such detail in Scripture and in all four Gospels is not merely to remind us of our human frailty, but more important, to reassure us of the wonderful security we have in Christ. Now, with that in mind, let's examine this portion of the Word of God together. The theme is Peter's denial of Jesus, and we'll consider, first of all, the reason for this denial And secondly, the outcome of this denial. The events of our text took place shortly after Jesus was arrested. We read about that in Matthew 26, the verses 47 to 56. And there we read that Jesus and the disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And while they were there, Matthew informs us that Judas, one of the twelve, came with a great multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. They came in order to arrest Jesus and bring him to trial in Jerusalem. Well, after a brief scuffle, during which Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, Jesus was bound and taken to Jerusalem, to the house of Caiaphas, where according to verse 57, the scribes and the elders were already assembled. Following some distance behind was Peter, most likely accompanied by the apostle John, The fact that Peter accompanied Jesus is not surprising. Peter loved Jesus, perhaps more than any of the disciples, with the exception of John. And as such, he was understandably concerned about him. He wanted to see what would happen to him, even if it meant putting himself at risk. Well, when Peter arrived at the house of Caiaphas, having entered into the courtyard, feeling rather chilly in the cold night air, Peter made his way to a small fire, in order to warm himself, but quietly, so as not to be noticed. Peter had good reason to keep himself from being noticed. For one thing, he was closely connected to Jesus. He was one of his closest disciples. And as such, he too might be arrested as an accomplice, or forced even to testify against him. For another thing, earlier that night, Peter had cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, And as such, he was a wanted man. Peter knew this, and so he tried his best to keep from being noticed. While he was there, however, and while Jesus was being interrogated by the Sanhedrin, a servant girl began studying him intently as though she recognized him. Suddenly she walked over to him and said in the hearing of everyone present, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. No doubt caught off guard by the question and afraid of being found out, Peter flatly denied it. In the presence of everyone standing nearby, he said, I do not know what you are saying. Following this exchange, Mark informs us that Peter moved away from the fire and went out into the porch, perhaps so that he could make a run for it in case he should be discovered. But as Peter stood in the porch, he was approached by another servant girl who also recognized him. And speaking to those standing nearby, she said, this is one of them. John makes it clear that at this point, several people accused Peter at once. John 18, verse 25, we we read these words. You are not also one of his disciples, are you? They said. But he denied it and said, I am not. Some gospels say he denied he knew Jesus with an oath saying, I do not know the man. Following a second denial, Peter moved off to another place in the courtyard, again in an attempt to avoid being noticed. From Luke's account, we infer that from this new position, Peter had a clear view of what was happening inside the house of Caiaphas. He saw, probably through a window or an open door, Jesus blindfolded, being spat upon and beaten. And as he watched the proceedings, he was confronted again, this time by a number of people at once. Evidently, the servant girls had been talking about Peter to others. Perhaps an argument broke out concerning Peter's true identity. And so determined to put the matter to rest, they together approached Peter and they said, Surely you also are one of them. For you are a Galilean, and your speech betrays you. Now they were referring, of course, to Peter's accent. Peter, people from Galilee, had a certain way of speaking. Peter spoke with that same accent, and since they knew that Jesus and his disciples were from Galilee, they concluded that Peter had to have been one one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus. And then as if to confirm the accusation, John tells us that one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of Malchus, whose ear Peter had cut off in the garden, said to Peter, Did not I see you in the garden with him? Backed into a corner, Peter suddenly lost control. Read in verse 71, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. Luke informs us that while Peter was still speaking, a rooster crowed. and At that moment, Jesus looked at Peter as if to say, see, I told you so. And we read that Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter here is referring to the events recorded in verses 26 to 31. Jesus and the disciples had just finished celebrating the Passover and they were on their way to the Mount of Olives where they would spend the night. And on the way, Jesus made a stunning announcement. In verses 31 and 32, he says, All of you will be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Jesus was quoting from Zechariah 13, verse 7. And there the prophet Zechariah, speaking of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, quotes God as saying this, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Jesus understood this prophecy to refer to the events that would take place later that night. Within a few hours, Jesus would be arrested. The sword of the governing authorities would be raised against him, ultimately the sword of God himself. And at the sight of that sword, all of his disciples would flee from him. Well, upon hearing those words, Peter protested loudly. We read in verse 29 "But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Peter here was comparing himself to the other disciples. He was suggesting that their love for him was not as strong as his love for him. And for that reason, he says they might be offended because of him, but he never would be. But Peter was wrong. In a response to Peter's statement, Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And hearing this, Peter refused to believe it. If I should die with thee, he said, I will not deny thee. But within a few short hours, that's exactly what he did. And everything that Jesus said came true. Peter denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed twice. Now, why did this happen? Why did Peter deny the Lord? the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it was not because Peter no longer believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He most certainly did. Earlier, he had declared before all of the disciples that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. On another occasion, he declared that he and he alone had the words of eternal life. So why then did he deny him? Well, there's only one possible answer. Fear of man. Peter was afraid of what men might do to him if he affirmed that he was indeed one of Jesus' disciples. He was afraid that he too might be arrested and dragged before the Sanhedrin. He saw what was happening to Jesus. He saw how the religious leaders of the Jews mocked him and spat upon him and beat him with their fists and it frightened him. It frightened him so much that he was willing to deny Jesus in order to save his own skin. Now, it's easy to be hard on Peter, but are you and I any different? How many times have we not denied the Lord Jesus? We deny him every time we sin. How many times have we not been ashamed of the Lord Jesus? How many times have we not quaked in fear of man? lest we should confess Christ as our Savior. What is this but, a, but an open denial of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and King? It's an open declaration that we do not know Him. But there's another reason why Peter denied Jesus, or we should say why our Lord allowed Peter to deny Him. And it was this, it was to teach Peter a much-needed lesson. We saw earlier that that night Peter denied that he would ever forsake the Lord Jesus, much less deny him, and the other disciples said the same thing. Peter even said that he would sooner die than deny him. How little little Peter knew about himself. Peter thought he was quite strong, but he was nothing of the sort. He was actually the reverse. He was quite weak. And this is why our Lord allowed Peter to deny him. Even then, while he was being most cruelly treated, our Lord was teaching Peter something that he would never forget. He was teaching him something of his own native weakness. My friend, Has the Lord taught you that as well, do you also know how weak you are? Or are you like Peter still thinking that you can do it all? Oh, how much the Lord has to teach us how much he has to humble us. That can be painful at times, but it's necessary. For the more we see how weak we are, the more we will learn to depend on Christ. And so, dear friends, let us never think more highly of ourselves or of our faith than we ought to think. Or we may end up denying the Lord like Peter. Peter denied the Lord Jesus. What was the outcome of this denial? That brings us to our second point. As soon as the rooster crowed, Peter was cut to the heart. At that moment, he remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And now what Jesus had said had come to pass. Peter had indeed denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And this was too much for Peter to bear. And consequently, we read in our text that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now you notice what Peter does. He went out, our text says. Now where Peter went, we do not know. He may have gone just outside Caiaphas' courtyard in one of the alleyways nearby. He may have gone back to Gethsemane to the place where he ought to have been weeping and praying with the Lord whom he had denied. We don't know where he went. All we know is that he went out. And why did he go out? No doubt because he needed to be alone with God. Peter, you see, had many things to confess to the Lord. And he knew that the only way he could do that was by finding some place to be alone, some place where he could pour out his heart to God without being seen and without being interrupted. And so he did what any of us would have done in a similar situation. He went out. My friend, can you identify with Peter here? Have there ever been times in your life when you needed to be alone with God so that you could pour out your heart to Him, so that you could confess your sins to Him, and plead for His forgiving grace? This is what Peter does. He goes out to be alone with God. He also weeps bitterly, our text says. What did he weep about? Well, obviously, he wept about the fact that he had denied the Lord Jesus, even though he swore that he never would do such a thing. Oh, how foolish Peter must have felt. How could he have done such a terrible wickedness? He, of all people, had denied his Lord after he had vowed that he would never do it. And as he thought about what he had done, he began to weep. First, it was just a tear. And then a few more tears until eventually that great fisherman's body of his heaved with sobs as he poured out his heart unto the Lord. Oh, can you see yourself in Peter, my friends? Do you know what it is to weep bitterly before God on account of your sins? It is sad but true nonetheless that we so easily become desensitized to sin. Now, to be sure, that's not always the case. When the Spirit of God is at work in our hearts and our lives, our sins bother us deeply. We come to hate sin. We come to grieve over sin. And we come more and more to flee from it and to put it to death. And at times, we may even weep about it. But after a while, is it not true? After a while, does our sensitivity to sin not decrease? We come to accommodate ourselves to it. We make excuses for it. We presume on God's forgiving grace. Oh, let us take instruction from Peter, my friends. When he sinned, he was convicted, and he went out, and he wept bitterly. This is true repentance. We see here quite a contrast, don't we, between Peter and Judas, Judas, too, was cut to the heart. He, too, experienced a measure of sorrow. He was sorry that he had betrayed the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But his sorrow was not a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. His sorrow was a sorrow of the world that leads to death. In fact, later in this chapter, we read how after Jesus had been sentenced to death, Judas returned to the chief priests and confessed that he had betrayed innocent blood And when the chief priests indicated that they were not prepared to do anything about it, he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the ground and he went out and he hanged himself. But not Peter. Peter's sorrow was the deepest possible sorrow. It was a sorrow of heart. It was a sorrow mingled with shame over his sinful behavior. Hatred of the sin itself and a desperate longing to be restored to a right relationship with Christ. And as such, it was a sorrow, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. My friend, do you know something of that kind of sorrow? We don't always have to shed actual tears, although there's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing, in fact. But do we sorrow in our heart? Are we truly grieved on account of our sin before God? Well, if that's not the case with us, then something's wrong. Either we've never been truly converted, or we need to be converted again. Which is it for you? Do you know something of godly sorrow for sin that leads to repentance? The third thing that Peter did was he did this immediately. As soon as the rooster crowed, Peter went out and wept bitterly. He didn't wait for a more convenient time. He repented right there and then. And my friend, how we need to take instruction from Peter here. How often does it not happen that we feel convicted by our sin, perhaps as the result of hearing a sermon or meditating on a passage in the Bible. But rather than confessing it and pouring out our heart to the Lord, we simply forget about it. We put a lid on it and we move on. We go outside after the worship service and we strike up a conversation with someone. And in this way, we allow the little birds to pluck away the seed that has been sown. My friend, don't do that. When the Holy Spirit is at work, take advantage of it. When he convicts you of your sin, confess it right there and then. If you don't, the impression may leave and your heart will only become hardened. And so Peter repented of his sin before the Lord, and the Lord forgave him. You say, how do we know that the Lord forgave him? Because one of the first people to whom Jesus appeared when he rose from the dead was Peter. We don't know what Jesus said to Peter on that occasion. It's not revealed to us in the Scriptures, but it's quite certain that he assured him that he had forgiven him. We know this too because of what we read in John chapter 21. There we have the account of Jesus and the disciples eating breakfast on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And during the meal, Jesus turned to Peter after his resurrection and asked him three times whether he loved him. And three times Peter said that he did. And after each time, Jesus commissioned him to feed his sheep. Now, why did Jesus ask Peter the same question three times? Well, he was seeking to reverse the damage done by Peter's denials. Peter, you see, had denied the Lord three times, and now he had to affirm his love for him three times. And having affirmed his love, Jesus restored him to his previous position as one of the apostles and commissioned him to go out and to feed his sheep. Peter denied the Lord, and the Lord forgave him. And here's the real message of this passage, friends. The point of this passage is not so much Peter's denial, although that's certainly part of it. Peter's denial, however, merely serves as the backdrop for the display of Christ's forgiveness and love. The sun always seems to shine brighter after a storm cloud has passed, and that's also the case here. Peter's denial manifests the love of Christ more clearly than if he had not denied him at all. And the wonderful thing is that Christ is willing to bestow that love and that forgiveness on all those who rebel against him and who even deny him. You say, on what basis is he willing to do that? Well, not on the basis of anything in us. Not even on the basis of our repentance, but only on the basis of his atoning work. That was true for Peter as well. Even as Peter denied the Lord, the Lord was suffering the penalty for his sin. And a few hours later, he would pay the ultimate price by allowing his blessed body to be nailed to the cross. And there he poured out his soul even unto death as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But now, dear friends, now his atoning work is done. He cried, it is finished. And now he is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, and one day he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And until that day comes, he sincerely invites sinners to come to him, to receive from him the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. My friend, do not think that you are too sinful or too unworthy for him. If Jesus can forgive a wretch like Peter... He can forgive you as well. And so I say to you again today, come to this Savior. All you who have denied the Lord Jesus Christ, come to him. Confess your sins before him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. Dear friends, we always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by the message you have heard today, or if you were blessed by previous messages on this program, please take a moment and let us know. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can give me a call at 778-982-9102. And please remember to include the call letters of this station. If you would like to listen to the message you have just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at BannerOfTruthRadio.com. That's all one word, BannerOfTruthRadio.com. If you would like more information about the Free Reformed Churches of North America, which sponsors this broadcast, please log on to our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. If the Lord has placed on your heart a desire to help us with the costs associated with this program, you can do so by sending us a check in any amount or making a donation in the donation section of our webpage. We heartily thank you for your loving and prayerful support. And now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.